We're in a, a short series through the summer looking at the parables of Jesus. These are stories that, that Jesus tells through the Gospels. These are, are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And we find these parables in three of the four Gospels. So we see them in, in Mark's Gospel, in Luke's Gospel, and here in Matthew's Gospel, where we're going to be this afternoon. And Jesus uses these stories earthly stories with heavenly meanings to show us what the kingdom of God is like, to show us the the place that God is ruling and reigning over and calling all of his creation into. These parables show us glimpses, aspects of the kingdom of God, and they show us what the king of that kingdom, King Jesus, is like. And we're going to see an aspect of his kingship as we read Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 to 14. You might be familiar with this parable. Let me read it and then I'll pray and then we'll carry on. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says this. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let me pray. Father, we believe that this is your word that you want to speak to us this afternoon. We don't believe that this Bible is just a book. We believe that it is living and active, that these words are sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we pray, Jesus, by the power of your spirit, that you would come, you would speak, you would convict, you would lead us, Holy Spirit, and guide us towards truth. And we pray that you would change us, grow our faith, strengthen us in our faith, help us to see see you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, and help us to trust. We need you, Holy Spirit, so lead us, guide us, we pray. Fill your people we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So both Luke and Matthew have this parable, the parable of the lost sheep or the parable of the wandering sheep. It's told in both of the Gospels, but, but Matthew and Luke take a, a slightly different angle. You'll see this as the parables are retold in different Gospels. The Gospel writers have a, have a, a slightly different agenda. They're, they're trying to lead us in, a, in maybe a slightly different direction. The truth is the same, but the application might be slightly different. So when you read the parable of the lost sheep in Luke's gospel, you'll see that that Jesus is really, he's teaching his disciples, but he's really wanting to show the religious teachers who are looking in and listening, he wants to show them who it is that he has come to save. The religious leaders think that the kingdom of God is just for good people. It's just for people who've got it all together. It's just for the righteous. And Jesus, in in Luke's retelling of this parable, Jesus is showing the religious leaders and all of those who will hear that actually he comes for sinners. The emphasis in Luke's gospel is on the lost sheep. It's a sheep who is outside, initially the kingdom of God. And Jesus wants us to see that he is a king who comes for the lost sheep, for the sinner. And he wants to bring them into his kingdom. And that is a wonderful application of this parable. If you're not a Christian this afternoon, hear that and believe it. 
that Jesus is the king of his kingdom, that he is ruling and reigning with power, with peace, with truth. And isn't that a kingdom that we want to belong in after what we see in this week? Jesus is the king that we want and he is calling in sinners, you and I, to come and be part of his kingdom. And he has come and he has lived the perfect life. He has died your death for you on a cross. He has taken the penalty for your sin so that you can come in and you can be welcomed home by the Father. If you're not a Christian, believe that this afternoon. That is the, the application that Luke goes with. But Matthew has a slightly different emphasis. Matthew here, in the context of how he is writing and who he is telling us is around Jesus at the time, he's kind of framing the parable in terms of the sheep that has gone out being a Christian. This is one of God's children. It's a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God. And, and Luke is, uh, sorry, Matthew is painting the picture of, of a Christian wandering from the, the protection, the, 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 the presence or the goodness of God. That's where Matthew is taking us. He is teaching us the reality that as Christians we are saved into the fold, into the family of God. And I think we all know if we've been Christians, there are times in our Christian life where things go well. Where we're reading the Bible day in, day out. Where we're in a close communion with God and prayer. Where we're enjoying the community of God's people. Where we're here regularly and, and we have those days and we have those seasons where the Christian life feels great. But Matthew is tapping in on something which is a reality for all of us if we are Christians. And it's this. There are times when we don't feel like that. There are times when if we're honest with ourselves and honest with each other, our faith feels weak. There are times in our lives as Christians where we try and engage with God's word. We try and engage with God in prayer. We try and engage with the community of God's people. And this might even be you this afternoon. You come along and you desperately want to feel something and to receive something. But you just feel a type of numbness. There are times in our lives, even as Christians, where we feel, even though he isn't, we feel like God is distant from us. And if that is you this afternoon, God is speaking to you through his word and he wants you to know his heart towards you. And it might surprise you what his heart is towards the Christian who wanders. What I want us to see this afternoon, just briefly, is firstly, three reasons why we might wander. Three reasons why we might feel distant from God. And then see uh, three reasons that would help us stay with Jesus. And then finally, three responses that we can take from this passage. So firstly, three reasons why we might wander from Jesus. Three reasons why we might feel distant. The first is this. We think that the grass is greener over there. So here's the parable. Jesus says, uh, there are a hundred sheep. They're being looked after by a shepherd on a mountain. But one of those sheep goes astray. It wanders away from the fold and it wanders away from the shepherd. And you know, if you spent any time in the gospels, you know, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. Okay, so the picture here is, uh, Jesus is saying, you know, I bring my people together. They are, they are with me. I've brought them into the fold. But in this parable, here is one who has wandered away. And one of the reasons why we might wander away or feel distant from God is because as a sheep, we're on the mountain, but we're looking in the valley and we're thinking, whoa, looks nice down there. I think I might go and have a look. 
and we wander down and we, we have a look at what on first impressions looks like is better than what we've got here. How often, brothers and sisters, do we look out and see the world which we have been saved out of and we look and we see how the world lives and we think, wait a minute, I thought I was saved into freedom. That looks like freedom to me. How often do we look at how people in the world, people who aren't Christians, engage in relationships? Or how they engage and manage their resources? Or how they enjoy their sexuality? How often do we look at what's going on in the world and we think, I fancy a bit of that. And even though we might not physically get up our, off our seat and wander over and embrace those things and live in those places, how often do at least we go there in our minds? And we fantasize about eating the grass that seems greener over there. Because what we're enjoying in the fold here with God just doesn't seem as good. So we might wander from Jesus because we think the grass is green. And secondly, we might wander from Jesus or feel that we're distant because of shame. You know, there are times in our lives as Christians where we realize, and it's as if someone has turned on the light, we realize that we're not living as God would intend us to live. Maybe we've been engaged in a particular type of sin. Maybe we slipped into Uh, some sort of addiction. Maybe we've just become completely apathetic to the things that God has called us into. Maybe we haven't picked up our Bible and heard God speak to us for weeks, for months, maybe even years. Maybe our communication with God has just become transactional and we only come to him in prayer when we need something. Or when we, when we, you know, when the, the proverbial hits the fan, that's the only kind of conversation that we have with him. Or maybe we only come to the gathering because we think that we have to. And all of a sudden, someone turns on the light and we realize how far we've wandered from God. And instead of running back to him, we, we just feel the shame. We feel embarrassed because of what we've been doing or what we haven't been doing. And so we keep our distance from God. Because we think he won't want us back. And he won't want us near. We wander because we think the grass is green. And we wander because of shame. And sometimes we wander because we actually don't believe that it would be good for us to stay. Because we don't think that God is who he says he is. And if you're a Christian, you know. Because the Bible tells you that God is good. That God is love. He is gracious, that he is kind, he is patient, he is faithful. You know because the Bible tells you that all of those things are true. But when the brutality of life descends and you're in a season of suffering or you're in a season of pain or you're in a season of loss or you really think that you need this particular thing in your life and it just doesn't seem to come no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read your Bible, all of those things that we just said about God being true, they, they kind of, they almost feel contradictory. We start questioning whether God is those things because things in our life just don't seem to be going well. And we doubt. And we question whether we can actually trust the shepherd who says he is good or whether we'd be better off somewhere else. 
And so we create distance between us and him. Three reasons why we might wander from Jesus. Because we think the grass is greener because of our shame, because of our doubts. But here's three reasons why we should stay. Why we should never want to leave the fold. And the first reason is this, because where God is, that's where we're safe. The sheep that we read about here in the parable that Jesus tells us about, where, where is he kind of originally? Where are the 99 sheep? They're, they're on a mountain, okay? I'll help you out there. They're all on the side of the mountain. Now, in first century Palestine, that was the safe place if you were a shepherd. In the valleys, that's where thieves and robbers would be. Uh, that's where, where animals, wild animals would come and attack you. But if you're up on the mountain, that was a safe place. You could see around you. You had the, the benefit of height. And so there is a sense in which topographically, the safest place is on the mountain. But the 99 sheep fundamentally aren't there because of topography. They are there because that's where the shepherd is. Folks, if we think about that reason to wander because we think the grass is greener, and actually this is a good time for this illustration. We're in, a, in this kind of semi-season of drought, right? Like we haven't quite got as far as the hosepipe bound, but it's probably coming. And if we think about living in a city, not many of us have been blessed with uh, beautiful big gardens with lots of kind of open grass. So this illustration works well. If we think of us living in the city, this doesn't work in the country, but think of us living in the city, um, the only two re- well, there are only two reasons why you would have uh, nice green grass in your yard or in your garden. The first is, like us in our house, so we haven't got a garden, we've got a yard. Um, the first reason why you might have nice green grass is because uh, you've got fake grass in your yard. So Mark uh, kind of relates with this. We, relate with, we have got the greenest grass on our road because it's fake. Like it's just made of plastic and, and it looks green all the year round. Now, folks, think as we look out into the world and we think, oh, the grass is greener over there. We need to be aware that when we see grass that looks greener than where we are now, as we are in the fold of God and in the presence of God, quite often it is just a facade. It is artificial. It's not that the grass is greener at all. It's not even grass. Uh, The other reason why you might have a particularly green lawn at this time of the year, and I wonder whether this is why you've got a very nice green lawn at the moment, Ryan, is because it's covered in fertiliser. True? He hasn't got a clue. This guy is the least green-fingered, thumbed person, but he has a beautiful lawn. And I will tell you, Ryan, it's because it's been spread with fertiliser. Or, let's call it this, it's been covered in poison. See, again, as we look out in the world... And we see all these things that God has said, don't touch. It's not good for you. Don't go there. But we look and we see and we think, oh, that looks good. So often those things are artificial, but so often those things are even worse. And if we wander away and we start to feast on those things, those things, they want to kill us. They want to poison us. They want to pull us away from the goodness of God. That isn't the case when we stay with him. The presence of God is a place of safety. He protects his people. See that beautiful bit at the start of the passage in verse 10. 
Jesus says this, I tell you that in heaven, he's talking about about his people, the, the children of God. I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. Now, some of you want me to go and do a full blown theology on angels. We're not going to. I would love to. Like, let's chat about that later. But let's just take this little truth from from what Jesus has just said there. All of the resources of heaven are being employed for the good of God's people. God sends his angels for the good of his people. That is what they are there for, for his glory and for the good of the church. The God who holds the heavens and commands the angels keeps his children safe. We read at the start in Psalm 16, David says, My lines, the boundaries of my life have fallen in pleasant places. David sees he has the insight to know that the boundaries that God gives us as Christians are good. Because that is where it is safe. If you're a child of God, you can know God will never hurt you. He will never use you. He will never trick you, coerce you. He will never lie to you. He is a good God. He wants to keep you safe, so stay near to him. The second reason we would want to stay with Jesus is this. When we think about wandering because of our shame, if you're a child of God, you need to remember your sins have been forgiven. You know, I, was, I was a lot younger. I was uh, 10 years old. Some of you know a little bit of this story. Um, I was the model student in school. I was the model child. Even as the youngest of four, like, I know that's not the norm, but I was a good child and I, I commanded a lot of respect in school and at home. My mum and dad were really proud of me, but I, I had a couple of blips on the radar you know what I mean? Like just a few off days. And there was one incident in particular in, in uh, primary school. Again, just a, a flawless record through school. But for a number of reasons, I got involved in, in stealing some, some things from the school. The teachers found out. I know you can't believe it, but it is true. The teachers found out about it. It was that bad and that serious. They called in the police. Uh, the police came in. I was sitting in the head teacher's office absolutely terrified. And do you know what struck terror into me? It wasn't the police. It wasn't Mrs. Goodwin, the head teacher. It was what would my mum and dad say? My poor mum was waiting on the playground. No one had told her. She was waiting to pick me up. And she was the last parent waiting on the playground, waiting for me to come out. When I asked the teacher, the teacher told her what happened. She came in and I was sobbing tears, not out of fear of what these other people would think, but out of fear of what my parents would think thinking I'd let them down, thinking they'd be angry with me, frustrated with me. Because that is not how our Father in Heaven deals with us when we make mistakes. So if you are creating distance between you and God because of shame, because you are fearful of what God will say because of your sin, you need to know that through the finished work of the cross, your sins have been forgiven. So God can't hold anything against you. And if you don't believe me, believe God in his word. In Hebrews chapter one, verse three, the writer of the Hebrews says this, after Jesus made purification for sins, that's after he, he died on the cross for the sins of his people, made atonement for the sins of his people. After he made purification for his sins, he seated down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is seated at the right hand of the father. The writer of the Hebrews wants us to know this. After Jesus made purification for sins, I use this so often because we need to know it, folks. After the finished work of the cross, Jesus sat down. Why? Because there was no more work to do when it came to your salvation. 
all of your sins, if you are a child of God, all of your sins, past and present, have been forgiven. All of them. And even the sins which you are going to do tomorrow, they are forgiven. All of them, past, present and future. So there is no need to be stood in your shame, creating distance between you and God, because he holds nothing against you. So don't leave him. Stay close. And here's the third reason why we would want to stay. You know, if you're in that place of doubt at the moment, you hear that Jesus is the good shepherd, but just the the circumstances of your life are are telling you that maybe he isn't. If, If you're in that place right now, you need to know this. Jesus loves you. You're his child and he loves you. You're his daughter and he loves you. You're his son and he loves you. In the context of Matthew 18 here, it's interesting, right? Right at the start of chapter 18, you get the disciples doing what they would do, trying to see who was going to be the greatest. Like They're such idiots, just like us, weren't they? And then, you know, Jesus is there. God is there. And they're like, okay, guys, who's the greatest out of all of us? And Jesus, just so so winsomely as he does, spots a child and calls the child over. And this child is in the middle of the, the crowd. And Jesus says to the disciples, guys, if you want to come into the kingdom of God, you need to be like her. You need to be like him. You need to be like a little child. It's not about who is the greatest. It's not about who has the most authority. It's not about who has the, who has the, the, the most wisdom. Jesus says, you come into the kingdom of God being like a child. Simply trusting your father. Those of us who have been blessed with good parents know what that feels like. To hear our father, to hear our mother call us. And even though we don't have all the answers, just to follow. Because we love them and because we trust them. So I was, uh, when I was growing up, uh, my mum and dad were Christians, so I was in a Christian home. And they used to sing little Christian choruses over us kids when we were little. And they do the same with, with my kids now. And one of the choruses that they would sing quite often, and you um, might have had the same experience, was um, Jesus loves me, this I know. You heard that one? Simple chorus. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And then the chorus goes on. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Brothers and sisters, if you are in that season of doubt right now, don't fight to find all the answers. Just hold on to the simple truth that God is who he says he is. And he loves you. Like a perfect father would love his son or love his daughter. He loves you. And we can fight and we can spend all of the hours in the commentaries trying to work out really like, like show me how. No, no, no. He says in his word that he loves you. Just take that and believe it. Three reasons why we want to stay. Because the presence of God is the safest place to be. Because he has forgiven you of your sin and because he loves you. And now just let me wrap up then with. Three responses from this parable. How do we, how do we kind of leave and, and put into practice what, 
what we read here? Well, the first thing is this. If you are that person who, who is that one sheep, who feels the distance between you and God, come back. Jesus is calling you home. He's pursuing you. And look at the passage. Look at his heart when he takes hold of you. Verse 13, Jesus says this. When, when he finds it, when the shepherd finds the sheep who has wandered, Jesus says, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it. More than over the 99 that never went astray. So here is what he's saying. When, when you wander, when God brings you back, he isn't frustrated. He isn't fed up. He isn't angry. He rejoices over you. Like one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, gives us a picture of the Father's heart in light of the coming Messiah, in light of the finished work of the cross. Zephaniah says this God is like a father who delights over his children and rejoices over them with singing. That's how the Father is ready to welcome you back. He's not there thinking, oh, here he goes again. Wait there, 99. I'm going to have to go after this one. No, no, no. He's storing up joy to pour out all over you. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says this. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is saying this. If you are a child of God, if you wander, you will come back. You will come back. No one will snatch you out of his hand. He will not let you perish. You will come back if you are a child of God. And you will hear his voice. Brothers and sisters, if you've wandered you feel the distance from God my hope and my prayer is that you would hear Jesus' voice even this afternoon and you would come back so the first response is to come back the second response is to stay let's not forget the 99 right like they're on the mountain they don't go down to the valley they stay put and that is a great application like a lot of us are in a season where we, where we are enjoying the goodness of God and his word, where we're hearing the voice of the shepherd, where we're following him, where he leads us, where we're enjoying the community of the other 99 sheep, right? Like that is a good place to be. And if that's you, stay. Don't wander. And there's something in that. Like there's something in that it's a picture of God's people together. Can I just sell to you this, the gathering? And just sell to you the importance of coming here week in, week out. Because as brothers and as sisters, as the sheep will do, they, they kind of move in a pack. And we, we are there to, to pull one another away from danger. We are there to point each other towards the good shepherd. We are there to follow him together. So if you're with the group on the mountain, then just stay. And follow your shepherd as he leads. And then here's the final response. And this might sound a little bit contradictory given what I just said, but the third response is go. This parable gives us a beautiful description of the heart of Jesus. And the heart of Jesus is also the heart of his church. Jesus is the head of his church. We as God's people are filled with his spirit. And so 
whatever the heart of Jesus we see in his word, that should also be mirrored in his church, right? And so where we see Jesus showing that God pursues those who have wandered, we as God's people should also pursue those who've wandered. So I want us just to stop and just to think for a minute. Who are those people? Think for a moment who those people might be in your life, in our church. People who are just struggling with doubt at the moment and feel distant from God. They feel that numbness of just going through the motions of the Christian life. Who might those people be? What about people who have just become periodic visitors? We see them every few weeks or every couple of months. Or other people who haven't been here for years. And what might it look like for us to lovingly pursue those people? Not with frustration, not thinking, oh, they should be here. Where are they? Or why aren't they reading their Bible? Or why can't they just snap out of it and just, just get back into the swing of things? No, that is not the heart of God that we see in this parable. The heart that we see is God lovingly pursuing his people and rejoicing over them when they come back. So what might it look like as God's people to have that heart? To lovingly pursue those who are feeling distant from God. Patiently. Graciously. And to point them back towards their good shepherd. If you are feeling distant, I plead with you, come back. Hear the voice of the good shepherd this afternoon. Follow his voice and come back. If you're in that season of growth and enjoying God's presence, then praise God. Stay where you are. Encourage your brothers and sisters. Lead them towards seeing more of who God is. Call call out when they are heading towards danger and usher your brothers and sisters back. And all of us as God's church, let's be prepared to go. Even this week to pursue those who have distanced themselves with the heart of God that we see in this passage. Let's pray, folks. I'm going to spend some time in response and singing and sharing this meal together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that you are a perfect Father in every way. Help us to believe that. For those of us who have feeling the, the, the distance between you and us at the moment, even though you promised to never leave us, for those of us who just feel like, like there is distance there, maybe because of sin, maybe because of, of apathy, maybe because we've, we've gone out of the fold and we've we started to eat on the grass that we think that is green, and maybe because we are doubting that you are who you say that you are. Help us to believe. Help us to believe, Jesus, that you are better. Help us to believe that we need you more than anything. Protect us, please, Father. Protect us from the world, the flesh, and the devil who will try and lure us away. Protect us, we pray, and keep us close to our good shepherd, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that we only need to look to the cross to see why it is good to stay. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have made full and final payment for our sin, that you have forgiven your people forever. Thank you that you removed our shame and our guilt because you bore it for us on that cross. You suffered for us on that cross. 
Thank you for the eternal hope that we have through your resurrection and your ascension. Thank you that right now you are seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And Jesus, we long for the day when we will be with you. But for now, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us. Lead us and guide us towards paths that that help us to see more of who Jesus is. Lead us and guide us away from sin, away from temptation. So Holy Spirit, fill your people. Help us to hear the voice of Jesus. For those of us who have wandered, bring them back. Help us to listen to him. Help us to follow him and give us a heart for our brothers and sisters. Have us to pursue them in love this week, we pray. For your glory and for their good. Amen.